And Lord, that's what we pray over the rest of this service. That's what we want, not only of every aspect of our life, but as we come here to worship you each Sunday. Lord, we want to see your name lifted high and your name glorified. Do everything we do through the singing, through the prayers, and now in particular as we come to your word. Lord, we come to your word because we know that you are wise beyond all measure and all comprehension that you love us and you know it's good for us. And so we come seeking to hear what you have to say, not only on Sunday mornings, but each day as we open your word. But now, Lord, we pray that you would speak clearly and powerfully to us, that any fears or anxieties or frustrations that may hinder us from hearing what you have to say, that you would remove them and that you would focus our hearts and minds on what you have to say. So, Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. We are working our way through Ecclesiastes. We have one more sermon left after this. So next week will be our last sermon through the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, I think... Once again, as I've felt each week, I think uh, this passage has much for us to learn and hear from God in the midst of times of uncertainty. So we're on Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we're just looking at verses 1 through 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes, to eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. This is the word of the Lord. I don't think I necessarily have to keep reminding of this, us of this fact, but I'm going to do it anyways. Because we just continue to live in a time of uncertainty, don't we? I mean, everything seems to kind of hang in the air. Many aspects of our life have been thrown up in the air. The, the, a lot of the things that we want to do, we can't do them, or we can't do them in the way that we want to do them. And we try to make some plans. We try to plan out things that may happen in the next month, but every plan we make, we have to put this little caveat in there, right? Well, depending on what happens with COVID, right? Because we just don't know what's going to happen in our work, in our schools. They all kind of hang in the balance because we don't know if we're going to get the virus and, and get quarantined for a couple of weeks. And we don't even have to get the virus. We can just come in contact with somebody who has the virus and then we're quarantined for a couple of weeks. And just kind of living in that uncertainty 
is pretty exhausting, isn't it? I think we're all feeling that level of fatigue. It just kind of wears you out eventually. But as it wears you out, it can also cause us to live our lives over-cautiously and to be even a little overprotective. And it's just because we don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so we just go to play it safe, which is why our author says, you don't know the way the Spirit comes into the bones of the womb of a woman with a child. In that same way, you do not know the work of God who makes everything. I mean, we don't know, really, how the Holy Spirit enters or how a spirit, even in general, enters into a child in the womb. We don't know how that works. Even back then, they did. We know a lot more about how life forms in a, in a mother's womb right now than they did back then. But it's still a mystery to us how life forms there. And he says the same way that you don't really know what's happening there, you really don't know what God's going to do. You don't know the future. You don't know what He's planning to do. You just don't know. And that reality can just simply paralyze us that we don't know the future and so then we live paralyzed and that's why he says if the clouds are full of water they pour rain on the earth and whether a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where it falls there it will lie whoever watches the wind will not plant whoever looks at the clouds will not reap and here's his point as he's talking about the clouds being full of water and trees falling he's saying Nature is going to do what nature is going to do. When the clouds are full enough, they're going to rain. And when a tree falls, it's going to fall. It may fall to the north, may fall to the south. doesn't matter. It's going to fall. And when it falls, it's going to lie there. Nature is going to do what nature is going to do. But we don't always know what nature is going to do. And he says, whoever's watching the wind is not going to plant. He's... You, you can, as a farmer, you can be so obsessed with what the weather's gonna do, and so worried about just getting the right, perfect conditions before you try to plant your seed, that you never end up planting your seed. Or, on the flip side, it, once it comes fall and, and harvest is coming, you can be so obsessed with watching the weather and the rain patterns and the that, that you never harvest because you're worried that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut my hay and it's going to rain on it and it's going to ruin everything. And so you can spend all of your time looking for the perfect conditions before you do something and never do anything at all. We can live so cautiously, so try to live so risk-free that we do nothing because the reality is Perfect conditions never come. The perfect conditions almost never come. And so if you're always waiting for the perfect conditions, you will never do anything. And so he tells us we need to take some risks. There's, there's different ways to translate that. this first verse. Our, the Bible passage we read earlier said, cast your bread upon the waters and it may return to you in the future. Um, there's different ways to understand that, but I think this comes from a, a newer translation of the NIV, which I think is accurate. It says, ship your grain across the sea, and after many days you may receive a return. Um, 
I mean, think about how risky that was back when, when this was written. How risky it was to load up a shipment of grain and ship it across the sea to try to sell it in another country, to try to get an investment. Uh, they didn't have the weather channel predicting the weather for the next week. They had no idea what was going to happen with the weather. They had no motors on their boats. I suppose they had some people with oars. But if the wind didn't blow the way they wanted it to blow, they would be blown off course. A storm could come up that would destroy the boat. And you think about it. If a boat sank, you didn't just lose the boat. You didn't just lose the people on the boat. But you also lost your entire investment that was on that boat. And the Mediterranean Sea is littered with shipwrecks because it was so dangerous. Because they just didn't know what was going to happen when they loaded that ship down and sent it across. And it would have been a lot easier for them to say, ah, we'll just keep our ships in the port. We don't want to take the risk. It's a lot easier. It's safer. We're just going to keep our ships in the port. We're not going to try anything new. It's safer, being cautious. And some would even probably argue it's wise. Wisdom tells us, that we shouldn't take this risk, that we should play it safe, we shouldn't try this venture because we don't know what's going to happen. And yet, the author of Ecclesiastes says that's not the case. Wisdom actually takes some risks. If you always leave your ship in the port, if you're always waiting for the perfect conditions, you will never do anything. And there's never an opportunity for some sort of reward. And yet he also says, okay, as wise people need to take some risks, but he says, don't be foolish about it either, right? The next verse, he says, invest in seven ventures. Yes, maybe eight. You don't know what disaster may come upon the land, right? If you talk to an investor right now, one of the things, I don't know anything about investing, by the way, but I do know this, They say diversify, diversify, right? Spread out your risk a little bit just in case something happens. And so he said, so he's telling us you gotta take some kind of a risk. Load up your ships with grain, send them across, but maybe send, maybe not put all of it on one ship. Spread it out around seven or eight ships, right? Don't, other saying, right? Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Because if you put all of your eggs in one basket, someone may drop it. Right? And I've watched businesses fail because 70% of their business came from one customer and then that customer left and the whole business went under. So you've got to spread things out. Take some risks, he says, but, but don't be foolish about that. Kind of spread out those risks for safety's sake. But one of the points that he keeps coming back to and one of the points that he's driving home in this passage is that the reality is we can never live risk-free in this world. It's an impossible task. You cannot live risk-free in the world. Just getting out of bed in the morning is a risk for some of us. (laughs) right? Driving to work every day is a risk. Eating your food is a risk. Paying your bills is a risk. Cleaning your house is a risk. That's just the way the world works. It's interesting to think that God created the world to have risks. We don't live in a child-proof world. 
There's sharp edges that we can cut our foreheads open on. There are electrical sockets that we are not covered up. We may stick our finger in and get in trouble. There's drawers that we can open that maybe we shouldn't open. It's a risky world, and God actually created the world this way for there to be risk in it. And then He called us not to live or to even try living risk-free in this world. We're called, we are not called to try to play it safe in the world all the time. I'm going to show you a statement that Jesus made. And for a long time, I just kind of moved on past this statement and, and didn't think about what it was saying. And sometime in this past year, it really jumped out at me. Jesus is gathering his disciples together. There's 72 of them, right? So about the size of our church. He's gathering together and he's saying, all right, I'm going to send you out on this short-term missions trip out into all the communities. And he looks at them and he says, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Sounds risky, (laughs) right? All right, you're a bunch of sheep, and I'm going to send you out to do ministry to a bunch of wolves. Go ahead. I mean, there's a lot of risk in that, right? I think there's there's a chance or a high likelihood that a wolf is going to get scratched, or a wolf, a sheep is going to get scratched or bitten or even killed. There's even a high likelihood that the sheep are going to gather together and form a committee meeting to discuss whether this is a wise thing to do or not. Maybe this is not wise because look at us. You know, we've got little hooves and we've got soft, fluffy, you know, whatever. What is it? It's not fur. Wool, thank you. We've got soft, fluffy wool and we've got hooves and they've got big teeth and sharp claws. I don't think it's wise for us to go out amongst wolves. It's not wise for us to take this risk. We have to play it safe. We have to stay where we're at. But Jesus said, no. You're lambs, and I'm sending you out to take a risk and to minister to the wolves. Because we've never been called, ever in this life, to try to live risk-free. And this passage says, and it says it strongly, so I'll say it strongly, that those who try to live risk-free in the world are fools. That's strong. But that's what he is saying. That the whole point, if, if you're always trying to play it safe all the time, he says that is foolish. That, that the wise people in the world live in the world that God has created, which is not risk-free, and they live in the world the way that God has called us to live in the world, which is not risk-free either. And so the wise need to take some risks. Not to be foolish about it, but take some risks. And Jesus even gave us a parable about this. Um, he, the one parable is about this man, and I, many of you know it, this man, he's going on a journey. And so he gathers three of his servants up, and he divvies out his money amongst those, ser- those three servants. And, and it's really hard to figure out how much money he gave them, but in kind of doing my own calculations in today's terms, he gave one servant about $6 million. And he gave the second servant about $2.4 million and the third servant about $1.2 million. 
And then he took off. He said, here's my money. Take care of it for me. Two of them took risks with his money and doubled their investment. The third one said, when the master came back, he, he came up to the third servant and said, okay, how, what did you do with the money that I gave you? He said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out, I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He refused to take a risk. because He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what the future held. What if he invested it and lost everything that his master gave him? I mean, we're talking over a million dollars. He didn't see the perfect conditions to invest the money. He, so he decided, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to bury it in the ground. I refuse to take a risk. And the master says, you wicked and lazy servant. Because we're called to take some kind of risk in the world. We need to be wise about it, but we are called to take some risks. We're not called to play it safe. And part of taking risks means that we try some new things. And so he ends this passage by saying, sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. And his point is, you need to try things. Get up in the morning, plant some seed. You have no idea if that seed is going to grow and prosper, so go home from planting that seed, and work hard on something else as well. Because you don't know what God's going to prosper. Maybe the seed you planted in the morning will grow and it'll prosper. Maybe it'll die. Maybe a flood will come and, and wipe out your whole crop. But then the work that you're doing in the evening, maybe God will prosper that as well. Maybe He'll prosper both. But the point is, you keep trying new things. And you work hard. You don't, you don't be lazy. You try something, and then you go try something else, and then you try something else, and you just keep going after it because you have no idea which one God will bless and which one God will prosper. So try new things. Keep working hard. Don't be lazy because you don't know what God will prosper. But what, what happens is, is this is speaking against one of our, probably one of our biggest and deepest fears, which is failure. Right? Because if we try something new, we might fail. So this fear of failure prevents us from ever stepping out, taking a risk. It tries to keep us playing safe all the time. It forces us. The fear of failure just forces us to just try to bury everything in the ground and just be mediocre. Just to settle for mediocrity everywhere. Because then we at least aren't taking a risk. Then we don't have to worry about failing. But the reality is, as soon as you settle for mediocre, you've already begun to fail. Um, We've watched this with businesses over the years. As soon as they stop trying to grow, they just settle, they die. And even churches, as soon as they stop, as a church stops challenging itself and just settles, we're just good, we're fine, we're not doing anything new, the church will die. Um, God has made the world that in order to kind of keep moving, to be alive, 
You need to change things and you need to try new things all the time. And sometimes, actually pretty much every time, in order to be successful at anything, this is actually a universal statement. If you will be good at anything, you have to fail. If you will ever be successful at anything, you have to fail. Because guess what? Nobody's good at anything the first time. Everybody is really bad. I, I can look at sermons that I preached 15 years ago. Charles Spurgeon said pastors should keep their old sermons so that they can weep over them. And that is true. That is true. You just go, oh. And uh, there's lots of woodwork. All of these different skills that I've had over the years when I started them, bad. Um, but you have to fail. And you, and a fear paralyzes you from trying something, you will never, ever try anything and you will never succeed. That God actually designed the world that you have to fail in order to be good at anything, in order to succeed in life. You've got to keep trying new things. You have to fail at them and then you try something else and you fail and you try something else and you fail and maybe God will bless one of them. And the passage says the fool refuses to accept that reality. Refuses to risk failing at anything. But he says the wise accept it. They even cherish the opportunity to try something new, to take a new risk and maybe fail. And he tells us we don't need to fear failure because God is in control. He says we don't understand the work of God But we do know this, that God is the maker of all things. We don't know what work God is doing, what His overarching... I mean, we know the end plan, but right now how God is leading us toward that end plan, we don't know. But we know that God's in control and God is the maker of all things. And if something's going to prosper, it will prosper because God wants it to prosper. And so we have to do a couple things. We keep seeking God, right? We come to God in prayer. We get on our knees and we say, God, give me wisdom. Give me guidance. Help me know where you want me to go, what risks to take, where to step out in faith. And then you get off your knees and you step out in faith. You take a risk. You try something. And if it's going to prosper, God will prosper it. And if it fails, God wanted it to fail. And we don't have to just crumble in utter despair every time we try something and it fails. Because we know that if God wanted it to prosper, He would have prospered it. And if God wanted it to fail, it failed. And if it failed, it's for a good reason. And so we don't have to just turn in on ourselves and say, oh, I'm such a failure. We just say, obviously God has something better in store, so I'm going to try something else and I'm going to keep going. And so you... So you go back on your knees and you go to God in prayer and you say, give me guidance, give me wisdom. And then you get off your knees and you step out in faith and you try again. And this is the principle throughout the history of the church, throughout Scripture. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote this, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. He said, I came, into, I came into the city of Corinth. It was a mess. I came in with the Gospel and I just started sowing the seeds of the Gospel wherever I went. And God started growing it. And a church formed and then Paul left. 
And then Apollos came in and his job was to water it, to disciple the believers. And, but the only reason that a church was in Corinth and the only reason that anything prospered there was because God made the growth. It had nothing, it was, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God was the one that made it grow. And the reality is that success in anything, this teaches us, doesn't lie in our own hands. And that can kind of freak us out a little bit. But the reality is success does not lie in our own hands. God is the one who makes things grow. God is the one who makes things prosper. We don't get to control that, but we can control one thing. Our faithfulness. That's what the passage is saying. Our faithfulness. We can get up each morning. We can work hard. We can try new things. We can take some risks. We can seek God and we can live trusting God and patiently waiting to see what He's going to prosper. But we can't control whether it will succeed or not. That's in God's hands. And it's interesting because this passage is speaking real, real practically to, to everyone's life. So, I mean, this is not just something that we spiritualize right away. This is talking to you. If you're a business owner, it's saying as a business owner, you take some risks. As you work with your money in your home, sometimes you need to take some risks. As you, you know, think about the future, sometimes you have to take some risks. So there's some real practicality there. And yet, there's also some of these principles that come in and uh, apply to us as, as a church. And uh, God's been really laying that on my heart. Because, there's, because of all of this uncertainty out in the world and all of the risk of doing anything right now, as a church, we're faced with a massive temptation to try to play it safe, try to live risk-free, and do nothing. And he says we can't do that. And we can even maybe try to justify some of that by saying, well, well, God's in control, and so if I don't do anything, God will do something. Or we can even justify it and say, well, wisdom... It is wise for us to play it safe, play it cautious. And he says, uh-uh. Wisdom means we need to take some risks. Don't be a fool. Be wise in taking your risks. But the wise person will take some risks. They won't play it safe all the time. They will step out in faith. And we can even worry in the midst of all of this, what if we try something new as a church and it just fails? So what? Then we try something new. <laughs> we go back to God. We say, whoops, that was the wrong thing. What do you want us to do? Okay, let's try that. And we go in and we try it again and it maybe fails. And we're even tempted sometimes when we do have something and it fails, we're so afraid of failure that we take this dead, dying ministry and we just drag it around for a while rather than just saying, nope, it failed. Let it go. Let's do something different. And so I've been really convicted. I don't know what this means for us and there's something for us to be praying about. But I think this passage is, is convicting us, challenging us as a church that we need to take some wise risks in the midst of this pandemic. Um, it's telling us that if we're always waiting for the perfect conditions to try anything new, we'll never do anything. And so we may not think everything is perfect right now, but he's saying, 
try, try again. And it actually says we have no idea what's going to happen in the future. And that's the very reason why we should start trying new things and taking some risks right now. You see, our natural inclination is we don't know what's going to happen in the future, so I'm going to do nothing. And this says, no, flip your brain around and say, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. God may bless this way more than we ever thought it would. So try it. And if it fails, and if you fall flat on your face, you get back up, you go back to God, say, where do you want me to go now? And you try something new again. And I really think, I really, really think that right now is actually the perfect time for us to work hard and and try some new things. Because we're already being forced to do things differently. We're already being forced to try to think outside of the box about how in the world do we do ministry right now. And we're being forced to take some risks in whatever we do. And so, and we have no idea what God's going to do, what He's going to bless and what's not He's not going to bless. And so, this passage is reminding us, we just got to seek God, step out in faith, and try something. And, and one thing I've been telling people throughout this, there, there's a tendency for us to just focus on all of the things that COVID has taken away, or focus on all of the ways that COVID has made life not normal. Um, and I've been encouraging people, rather than focusing on that, ask the question of what has COVID made possible? I mean, think about it. What can we do now that we weren't able to, able to do before COVID struck? And then think about some other questions that keep popping up. I mean, what ministries in this church maybe need to die because they just have run their course and we just need to let them die so that God can raise something else new? Or a question that may be a little more pointed, what ministry has God been laying on your heart? And then the more pointed question is, why haven't you started it? What's keeping you from doing that? Why? What's preventing you from taking that risk and starting it? The encouragement is, take a chance. Take a wise risk. Start the ministry. What's the worst that can happen? It fails. So what? Try again. And and that's one of the most, that attitude can only come from someone who has faith and trust in Christ. It, It can only truly come from someone who has faith and trust in Christ. Because we believe that Christ died for the complete forgiveness of our sins. He paid the debt. He set us free. He adopted us into God's family. He's made us new, and now we are children of God, and we no longer have to worry about failure. Because at the core, most of us fear failure because we live our lives thinking we have to measure up. We have to prove our worth to everyone around us. We have to try to earn our salvation through our success. Well, guess what? In Christ, you no longer have to earn your salvation. The debt's been paid, so stop trying. In Christ, He sees you as ultimately worthy in Christ because now you are a child of God. You don't have to prove yourself anymore, so stop trying to prove yourself. In Christ, you are forgiven, free, and uh, 
have an inheritance in heaven, you no longer have to try to make yourself worthy or try to measure up to everyone else around you. In Christ, you are. So stop trying. You can simply just rest in Christ and live your life seeking Him. And so what if you fail? You're still redeemed. You're still a child of God. Your debt's still been paid. You still have new life in Christ. So get up, try again, and do something. Because your identity doesn't rest in any of these other things, any of this failure. Your identity rests in the unshakable, immovable Savior, Jesus Christ. So you rest in Him, step out, step out in faith, trust Him, take a risk, try something new. Who knows? God may prosper it. Let's come to God in prayer. Oh, Father, we come to you with the prayer we believe, but help our unbelief. Father, we trust you, but help our mistrust. Father, we know that you are the God who's in control. We know that you are the God who loves us and watches over us. And we know that you are the God who chooses what to prosper from the work of our hands. And we trust you. We trust you to prosper those things that are good and bring about your kingdom. And we trust you to to cause things to fail that will not bring about your kingdom. Father, help us to rest in that. Help us to trust you in that. And help free us, Lord, we pray. Free us from this temptation to always try to measure up, to earn our salvation or to prove our worth in the eyes of people around us. But help us to rest in you. And then, Father, free us to try to take some wise risks in this world, to step out in faith. Father, we pray that you would give us as a church a creative vision for how you want us to do ministry right now, what risk you want us to take to be able to move forward with the gospel in this community. Help us to see that. Give us courage and boldness to step out and try something. And help give us comfort and peace to just drop something when it's a failure and to move on and try something new. Father, we look to you to grow this church and to grow your kingdom in this time. Give us wisdom to know where to plant and how to water. We lay all of this in your hands. We lay our lives in your hands, our families in your hands, our church in your hands, our community and our country in your hands. And we trust you to do with them as you will. Father, show us how to take some risks and to work hard and live faithfully in this world. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.